0: out, huh? Yeah. Well, luckily, the people listening to this podcast won't have to deal with it. Everybody, welcome to Grace Rush Pod with Coach Jason Pridmore, presented by bike911.com. And you know, Jason, um, we should probably just get right into things because it was a weekend full of races. I mean, obviously, if you're interested in bike911.com, you need some legal advice or some representation or some contract work. Motorcycle guy, Alex Asante, will take care of you,
1: uh, I'm
0: sure. So go do I gotta, that.
1: I actually got to call him on a couple things regarding that. So, yeah, it's good that—actually, it's a good reminder for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: So, Jason, um, you know, we're going to skip a Rye news. Get yourself an ride helmet. Go to com. You know, do all that kind of stuff. But what we really need to do is just kind of jump into some stuff because— Let's go with Moto America. We were at Circuit of the Americas. It was a very interesting weekend, uh, for sure. As yeah. Moto America was part of the MotoGP race weekend, we had only two riders in the Medallia Superbike class that were kind of in the same team. I mean, Max Flinders was obviously in his team, and uh, I'm just talking about at the at the sharp end. Um, you know, we had uh, Cameron Peterson make moves, and anyway, so only uh, Jake Gagne and. Matthew Skultz were on the same team, even though there were quite some big changes over the offseason for that team. In the end, Jason Pridmore, Danilo Petrucci won both races. Matthew Skults is in second place. Cam Peterson goes P3 in one day for the next. Gagne goes P3. Um, PJ Jacobson goes fourth. Hector Barbera fifth in the first race with... Richie Escalante, uh, just behind Jake Lewis, 40 seconds back. And then Escalante makes a big jump, 20 seconds closer to the front. And I was just trying to see like what the, what the race time was, Jay, because you're talking about 30 minutes and 17 seconds. So race two was 2.7 seconds slower. Yeah. And you know what I mean? But in Escalante was still 20 seconds quicker. Um, Jake Lewis was in sixth, Barbara seventh, Hayden Gillum. So let's talk about it. We had one class. Uh Petrucci wins by five seconds one day, one second the next day. What are your takeaways from what you
1: saw with Moto America this weekend? He, he won by more of the he won by more of the second day than the first.
0: In race one, he won by 1.7. Race two, he yeah. won by five seconds.
1: Yeah. And and like listen, first off, congrats to that team. Congrats to everybody on the team. Uh you introduced me to Paulo, which was really cool. In the parking lot that day, when you and I were rocking out, what a just you—you've always said great things about him. What a generous guy he seems like. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's great the fact I think for our series, it's good for everybody that Ducati wins, especially on that stage um, at Coda with uh, with MotoGP and all of Danilo's buddies there and and, you know, kind of his his second extended family, I guess you could say. Uh, It's great that we have a new winner. I don't think any of us didn't think that Danilo would win. I, I can't say that I was a hundred percent sold on it coming in only because I wanted to make sure that I wanted to see that there was a jump in, a, in the team. And I wanted to see that the, that Danilo was going to be motivated to come right in America. I mean, there was just a lot of unanswered questions in my mind about it. And well, let me, let me
0: add to that. Cause I had the same questions you did. Plus I was curious about the surface to make sure that the surface was better because we know that the Ducati on Dunlops in the U.S. doesn't handle bumps well. And so I was like, okay, it's a Ducati track, but if the surface is smooth, it'll be better for them. But you and I both also thought the other factor was the Gagne factor. We thought that Gagne you know, is going a little bit quicker and everything was dialed in, and, and then that was a problem.
1: Well, let's, you know, and what I don't want to do is I don't want, and I, and I know you're on the exact same wavelength as me here, I don't want to turn this into because Jake had such a crap weekend that, that Ducati and Danilo and Warhorse weren't, um, this this was a big win for those guys. And, you know, everybody lines up, as you know, Greg, with your, with your two top 10 finishes, doesn't matter how many people don't finish as long as you finish. Right. You just
0: recognize me everywhere.
1: So the thing is, is that Jake had some bad luck this weekend and that was a shame. Have we seen the real head-to-head that we kind of expect? Nope. We haven't seen it yet. But there were circumstances that led to that that we'll get into in a minute. But I think the focus should be on that, number one, you mentioned it. The track was much better. Hats off Dakota. I didn't really hear the riders complaining as much at all this weekend. So big – you know, for as critical as we've been, or I have been probably, I don't know about you, but about the track surface and how we just can't seem to get it right over here in America and things, hats off Dakota – for providing those guys a track that they could go out and rip on. Um, Specifically, Greg, that first half of the lap, you know, from like turn two to turn 10, um, you know, there's a lot of change of directions there. And yeah, there were still some pretty big bumps on the track. Like you look at Quattro crash and qualifying. That's a pretty big bumpy hit going into the second to last turn. So who knows if there'll be any plans to do any more resurfacing, but um, the Ducati looked way better, didn't it? I mean, it looked... Way in better the US, over the, the bumps, US Ducati over the bumps. yeah, yeah, yeah. Motor. America's yeah, they've definitely gotten something way sorted better. out. Even those yeah.
0: couple days of testing that they that Ducati had in Europe with American Dunlop rubber and the American version of the VP fuel that they got, yeah, got better mapping and everything. But I also think, tell me what you think. That there yeah. is a difference in riding style between Baz and Petrucci. Petrucci seems to be more a little bit smoother as well, where Baz was. Uh, a little bit more uh, animated on the bike, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, and, and, and and I'm hoping that that some of that has to do with that, but there's not a lot they can do to the Ducati because of the design. Like you have that whole steering head that goes bolts right to the engine. And then you have the, the, basically the rear end of the bike that bolts to the other end of the engine. So they don't have as much frame to be able to tune, to deal with flex and all that kind of stuff. And that's, that's my overall concern about the Pentagon V4 is just the design of it that it's developed on Pirellis. They're a lot softer. So they make the bike super stiff. Now you get on a much stiffer carcass. And I did run into Petrucci after the race on Sunday and we were talking and I was asking him about his impressions, Jay. And he said, you know, that, that he feels that Dunlop is going to have to start designing, uh, these tires with, with, with a softer carcass. And I didn't really know what to say to that because I'm obviously like, well, you know, I don't, I don't think that's going to happen overnight, but so, it's an indication that he understands that the Ducati is, is in a position where it is not the ideal motorcycle developed for Dunlop rubber. And the thing about it is, and I, I think I said this in the broadcast, is that motorcycle road racing is unique, I think, in motorsports and that not even Supercross and Motocross. Our stuff is designed from the tires up. And when the Superbike is designed around Pirellis and you put these very stiff carcass Dunlops on them, things happen. Where, right. you know, on the converse side is you look at say the Yamaha R1, and I was sitting in a conversation with, uh, you know, with Ed Sullivan and 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 Chuck Cicchetto about their relationship with Suter and the amount of data and information that they got to Suter and Suter has a literally Dunlop specific U.S. Yamaha R1 swing arm now that probably will get a Suter. Um, uh, uh, part number, right? Like available in the catalog. Okay. That's, it's not exclusive to Ducati. It's exclusive to the United States and the way that our Dunlops are made.
1: Got it. Well, I think, and when you go to look at the second round, I think that Atlanta won't be that bad for them either. I think, you know, if you remember, Baz went pretty well there last year. Had a problem in the first race. He slid off, and then they had a technical problem in the race two. So I think that the two tracks that we're going to right off the bat are going to be fine for those guys. And, you know, I don't, want to, I don't want to turn this into a track-to-track thing. There were some places like like, like New Jersey that I remember that bike looked horrendous at last year. It didn't matter what Baz did. But don't you think too, Greg, that if, as a rider, the franticness starts when you're not on pace or when you can't find the pace or when you're a half second off and you start overriding things. And I think that this year, when I watched Baz last year, it seemed like he could get the bike to go to a certain point. And... When you talk about he's a little bit more um he manhandles the bike maybe a little bit yeah, more. A little bit more cheap,
0: animated,
1: you know. A little it's... bit more animated. I think some of that comes when you're trying to find that extra half second. But the bike didn't look good to me at some places last year. And I wonder if I wonder if Ducati Korsk being more involved this year with Warhorse, um is gonna help them come up with some solutions. I mean look they shipped a bunch of tires over to Europe and he tested over in Europe on tracks that he was familiar with. And it didn't sound like they had too big of a problem over there. Like it seemed like things were pretty good. Um, and I think that, you know, I guess we'll just have to wait and see. I'm trying to think of a track that's coming up in our schedule that, that we kind of look at as being notoriously bumpy. I know VIR is not probably the greatest anymore, but I don't think it's horrendous. Not horrendous. Um, I don't think, and then you got Road America, America. which is pretty good. The Ridge, the Ridge. will be smooth, smooth. Is glass. Laguna. Laguna. Pretty smooth. Got a couple little spots, but pretty smooth. And then, then you got Brainerd. Brainerd. So Brainerd might be the first one that you look at where you go, okay, well, that bike there, and that was one that Loris hated, um, that track there might be the first real one. But if you look at the tracks that are really ahead of us, I don't necessarily think that they're overly bumpy, like a New Jersey, you know? Mm, yes. Or like a Brainerd. No, I mean,
0: pit race is still pretty smooth. Pit race, they run I think a lot it's of great. cars on
1: there. So and then Jersey and Barber. So Barber. So yeah. yeah, So last year. So what I, well, I guess the question I'm, I'm asking you is, do you think that this could be a thing where the bike setup and some things that they learned from last year, and with the involvement of Corsa being more involved, do you think that they found a way to settle this bike down a little bit, or they've made some big adjustments to make the bike better? Because don't forget. Baz was quick in the test at Coda last year. He was doing 208s. Nah, listen, he was, I mean, he was doing 208s on that track that was way bumpier than it was this year.
0: I mean, Ducati knows how to go faster on Coda as an organization, right? I mean, yep. they won the GP race, they won World Superbike. Ducati had a good weekend all, all the way across. Great the board.
1: weekend. Unreal. But,
0: but it's a point and shoot racetrack, and you and I have talked about <clears throat> it. Although, you know, we say that Ducati's a point and shoot bike, but. I mean, Petrucci was able to carve corners that Skoltz wasn't oh, was able fine. to carve. He
1: was yeah. able to, and you said it in the telecast, he was able to get off the corners a little bit tighter than those guys. He mm-hmm. um, didn't look this stressed going in. And yeah, Matthew was taking shots at him. And, he, you know, you he heard Petrucci say, oh, maybe we do something in the setup to get me in the corners better. But it, it to race that way is not sustainable. You can't keep, uh, look, Matthew was doing everything he could to disrupt Danilo. That's what he was doing. And that's what he had to do. There was no option for Matthew. The Yamaha around that track is notoriously known as not being the best place. No, for, it's been for our series. It's been a Suzuki for, track at Code. Correct. Correct. So even when the Yamaha guys were somewhat dominant, we saw Suzuki's doing doing the business around there. I think, uh, you know, with with, uh, with Tony Elias, um, Josh Heron won there. Did Raj ever win there? Can't remember, but yeah, I know he's got the he's still got the lap record. He's there got so, the lap record. Name. But so, anyways, going back to it, it's like I, I, my my thinking is I think that they have found something with that bike. And I, I mean, I think
0: here here's my view of they've, it. They've so, made it they've made it better. They've definitely made it better. And I think part yeah. of that is going to be the effort from definitely like there, there's just there's a lot of Italian being spoken that paddock, uh, yep. and not a lot of English. Let's put it that yep. way. Yep, yep. And the fact that Petrucci is Italian, and he knows how Corsa works, the direct speak. What they're able to figure out is good. Paolo hinted to me over the weekend, and I think maybe you were there for part of it. That they are looking at solutions back in Bologna, without question. And a lot of that's just going to have to do with how the how the chassis works, how the frame works. I mean, there's there's two bits that they can really work on. One of them's going to be the swing arm, and the other one is that steering head area that that you know attaches the forks to basically the motor. So I don't know how much flexibility they have in there. But but the thing I do know is that Ducati Corsa is not, it, it, they're they are not like some unlimited resource organization. I mean, they are a limited resource organization. I think that if you see the MotoGP program start to struggle, I think you would see resources shift up to that program and, and away from the US a little bit. I mean, Paolo's is really good. The people that run Ducati Corsa are good. They they understand how to plan ahead and, and obviously allocate their resources. But so far, so good. Um, obviously, Ducati GP started off a little bit rough at Qatar, but they've seemed to settle down a little bit. And obviously, they had a very good weekend at Coda. Um, and we're heading back to Europe soon. So I think that there are plans on the table to learn more about this bike. I know that Petrucci is going to go back to Italy at some point. I think for Mugello to be a guest of... Ducati, and celebrate, you know, because he won there, right? Like, he won yep. in some colossal race. Yep. So that'll be cool. But people are right asking... It's
1: good to be Danilo Petrucci right now. It, it is, but you know what's really cool, he's, Jay, he's, is he's in, in a talking, good place, it seems.
0: Yeah, and talking with him after the race, and you should see it, you know, he's still in his leathers. he's in the media center, you know, we wrap, you're out the door on your way to the airport, I'm like, you know, getting my stuff, and so I, I got to walk with him, basically, from media center to Motor America compound, and forget it, dude. I mean, he got mobbed. I mean... Jack Miller was there, Morbidelli was there, like all these riders, all these mechanics. I mean, he could not walk. Race fans, of course, taking photos with him, and he's such a generous guy with his time. But when we were talking about it, er almost everybody, are you going to get a guest ride? Are you going to get a one-off ride, right? And it's like, the cool thing about it is, is that at least these riders were looking at his win, and they weren't pooping on it. They were like, you know, hey, you're back. Now, what we do know is the guy wasn't 100% fitness either. And he had to yeah. deal with chatter and he, and like I said, in the telecast, he looked pretty smoked at the end of, at the end of that race. Yeah. But that, that doesn't mean anything. I mean, he's going to get better and stronger and you know more, more fit as long as he stays healthy on the motocross bikes, which I think he's today's Tuesday. I think he's riding. He told me he's going to ride today. He'll be up here at VIR uh, on Monday. So I think I might go hang out with him. Yeah. Um, he said, it's totally cool. Come, come you're hang gonna,
1: out. You're going to go show him around. <laughs> oh, get on the racetrack. You mean? Yeah. You're going to go like, you're going to go then lead go. him around and tell him where, where to hit. You know, no, I'll I'll give him the good line note
0: sure? through the, the yeah. final corner. Yeah,
1: make I'm sure gonna... you bring your trophies
0: from those weird days, so he knows you're legit. I'm looking around my room right now, seeing if I have a trophy somewhere. <laughs> you know, hey, listen, all right, you go back and ask 99 Ruben Chouse. He, oh, you know, we we rode we in Vegas together, and he was like, eh. I don't
1: even know why I get you started down this path. <laughs> I don't even know why. So let's talk a little bit about Matthew Schultz. What did you see there this weekend?
0: What I saw from Schultz was. Uh, a rider that looked um, much more confident. I yep. think in, in in the bike itself, in in yeah. the predictability of the bike. I like that part of it. I saw, especially in race two, I saw much more control, Matthew Sculth. I did have a conversation with him Saturday night, or maybe it was Sunday morning, about his race on Saturday, and I asked, "You ran a couple over a couple curbs when you started to get racing. Did your brain kind of go back to the old scults and charging the corners?" And he didn't really didn't really have an answer for me on that you know what yep. I mean like he wouldn't answer me directly but I think that the work that he's doing to not rush corners really worked yeah but but the biggest thing is is that what they've done with that new swing arm and they 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 did give him new forks so he's got like kind of beefier forks yeah new triple clamps that obviously have to manage those forks but the biggest thing is Jay is they made the bike a lot longer okay. Yep. So it's more predictable on the slides and they're able to keep the steering characteristics relatively the same, but they also worked on the wheelie control. So the biggest thing with that bike was it was too short. It was too twitchy and it tended to wheelie. So what do you do when you wheelie nowadays? You take torque out, right? Yeah. So with the swing arm configuration, it's now longer. They're able to use more torque. And for Matthew, not only was the bike predictable and less twitchy, but he knew that he had more acceleration because they didn't have to take as much torque out. So from my perspective, it looks like Matthew, as a rider, just with his confidence alone and with all the bits and pieces and everything that they've given him, and with Paul, their new data guy there as well, uh, I think he's made a step as a rider. Whether it's confidence, riding, all that stuff combined, he's definitely made a step. My assessment, what's yours?
1: I, I, I agree with you 100%. I think that there's a lot of things that he did really really well this weekend um he had that you know like you said he had a couple little mistakes when he was leading day one uh day two it looked like he was it reminded me a lot of the stoner rossi race at laguna where it was like i can't let Danilo lead i gotta get in front of him i gotta and that will cause you to mindset wise become a little bit more frantic because you start racing a lot more defensively than offensively in the sense that when you're leading you're constantly thinking about not being able to let this guy pass, and if you do, if he does get passed, you got to think about firing back right away. So, I think that that he did everything he could to try to get the result he did, and I think that when you look at the guys who finished behind him, I think for the weekend for Matthew, at a track that he obviously says isn't one of his favorites, and it's not one that he's gone particularly well there, even though he's won there in the wet, he's not gone particularly well there in the dry. It's a really difficult track, Greg, right, to link together in a full like perfect lap at that place. It's not easy to do. Those first gear corners, they 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 offer a lot of opportunities to make big mistakes. And I just didn't I didn't see those from him this weekend as much. Um and I thought he rode really well and I think going into Atlanta it's exactly what this team needed. Like I think the team uh it's the first weekend that I can think of and yeah, Jake wasn't there all weekend. Where the Westby team just looked a little bit more put together than the attack team, which is, I don't think something that we've maybe ever said on on this podcast before, because Jake was so dominant last year and Matthew was chasing the whole time, that you kind of think, well, they've learned something, they've done something, they've made the bike better, um, they've made Matthew more comfortable. He's kind of alluded to that as well. New data guy probably has helped him as well in that regard too. Uh, just judging by some of the conversations I've had with you. <clears throat> And so I think that it's a it's I think it's a great play for those guys heading into Atlanta. Great play. I agree. Yeah.
0: Let's talk about attack or progressive or fresh and lean progressive Yamaha. They had a rough weekend. Uh, I think all the way around. You know, I did run into Cam Peterson at the airport yesterday on my way home. I talked to him for the better part of thirty seconds. He was boarding the plane, but I think that what happened was, well, I did. I did speak with Darren Marshall on my way out, who's their data guy. One of their data guys. Great guy. You worked with him for a few years, I believe. I did. Um, He told me that they have identified the problem and that they were staying all day on Monday to work, you know, to get the bikes prepared for Road Atlanta because the truck's not going back to California. It's just going straight out to Atlanta. Okay. And so they had all the confidence in the world they were going to be able to sort it out. Um, in speaking with Cameron Peterson, I kind of alluded to the fact he never really gave me an answer. He just kind of gave me a look that I said it kind of looked to me like maybe there was a little bit of performance backed out of the motorcycle just to make sure that you guys finished the race. And I, you know, that's the kind of my takeaway. I know those bikes are faster than what they showed, but Cam Peterson basically was like it was it wasn't that. If that was the thing, it wasn't that. It was just for him. More, more setup and burning through tires, and you know, kind of getting to know this motorcycle race distance. But obviously, with Gagne, they struggled, um, because I mean, they made one qualifying session; they didn't make the second qualifying session, and then you know, they missed they missed race number one. But for Peterson, he, Peterson, he got a lot of laps. I think half of that is due to the expectation that of the caliber of the that attack team, right? I mean, yeah. So well.
1: It was a weird weekend, huh? I mean, it was kind of just a weird weekend for them. And we've seen it in the past. We've seen it in the past where they've had problems first round, uh, like they did in Atlanta last year with Jake. I think for Cam, if we're going to look at the two riders, if you look at Cam, for me with Cam, as much as I want to, as much as he wants to win, and every rider, it's it's so, I guess it's easier for me now sitting on the other side to sit there and go, Cam just needs to have some patience. I think he's got a two-year deal with this team he's got to have some patience he's done everything he needs to do to deserve this ride he didn't get this ride he deserved it okay he rode well we know how good he is he's a great guy on top of all of it he's good in front of the camera um but what he's got to do is not get i feel not get too hard on himself early in the year like just like and i'm not saying to accept your results but do the best you can make the bike yours get the laps in that you need to get in And continue to improve, right? I feel like even watching his post-race interviews, and I didn't get to see him like you did, but there's a sense of frustration there where I feel like he thinks that maybe plugging himself into this bike, that he should be out there winning these races handily or easily. And it's just not going to be that easy. And I think if he goes down a path of being a little bit too hard on himself, that could backfire on him. Where I know the team love him. You've talked to Richard, Richard, Rich, and I've talked to Richard too. They love everything about Cam. I think what he's got to do is just continue to chip away at it. Don't you agree? Hundred percent. Because we know how good he is. So we don't. What we don't want him to do. What I. What I don't want Cam to do is start to stress about finishing second or third or fourth or getting beat by six seconds or four seconds or ten seconds. Like, let this kind of come to you. Because if you remember the first year for Jake Gagne. Jake Gagne wasn't close to Cam Beauvais. There were tracks that he would try to be, but there was, for the most part. And then you look at Jake Gagne's second season. It was the most dominant we've seen, right? So I think for Cam, he's got to look at that and reflect a little bit and go, okay, I need to keep finishing these races. I need to keep trying to put it on the podium. Because our podium guys right now, those those first four guys that we saw this week, they're going to be there all week. So somebody's going to have to miss the podium <laughs> you know, every now and then. you got to think that Gagne is going to be there every weekend. That his bike is running. So it's going to leave two open spots for Skoltz, Petrucci, and Cam. And then the BMW guys that we'll talk about here in a minute. And the Suzuki guys that we're going to talk about in a minute. Hopefully those teams can start to step up too and get a little bit closer. Now for Gagne, on Gagne's side of it, I thought he handled the first eight unbelievably well. I thought it was so crazy, G-Dub, that those two bikes within the same lap within one lap of each other and qualifying both those bikes in the exact same corner on the track, you know, we saw them have issues. I thought that was so weird.
0: It is weird, but learning more about it, not from the team, but just from other mechanics in general, how the electronics, if they're not right, if like a map is wrong, like, I don't even know, Jay, let's say that, you know, it's too lean or a sensor, you know, it's like the computer's telling the sensor to do something it's fighting it. That if you have some type of, glitch that the motor can explode, you know. So and uh, and I went to talk to Stan Bowley about it. And I'm like your motor's blow up and he's like they expired. And I'm like all right, Richard, and I know he's listening to this because he knows the conversation. <laughs> and I know it's semantics, but you know, the bottom line is, is that they know what's going on until they diagnose it and Richard knows. I mean, it look, it's not a Yamaha thing. It has nothing to do with the bike, you know, but but we are in the business of selling motorcycles, right? We race, to, you know, went on Sunday sell on Monday. So, or Tuesday if your dealership's not open on Monday, that's the one. thing I was about, Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Most yeah. dealerships are closed Monday, uh, Sunday, Monday. But anyway, so yeah. Goodbye, bikes. It's not the issue. Now. It's it, it's it's the innovation. Uh, it's the it's you know honestly, dude, it's Richard, right? Stamboli is not a guy who ever wants to go race a class where there's no innovation. You know, he he has a new swing arm design. I mean, he designs it, or you know, and and then he's got manufacturing there on site. And he loves that bit, you know, loves opening up a rule book saying, okay, where are the areas of which I can capitalize on to make improvements, you know, it's, and that's what really fuels him more than it is the race wins, you know, it's the, it's the struggle and I, and I had a conversation with him and, and, uh, and Corndog, you know, who's, who's a crew chief for, um, for Gagne and we were sitting there and, and I said, look, you know, you two guys, you know corndog is a racer, right? I mean, first and foremost, he's a racer. 100%. Yeah and yeah. A good I said, one. you know, <laughs> the vic- the victories are nice, but they don't last, do they? It seems to me that you two guys enjoy the struggle, the journey more than anything else. And both of them kind of perked up and, and corndog just chimed in. He's like, dude, that's it. That's the secret to staying around racing is like when you are struggling that you enjoy the the fixing the struggle is is not that you enjoy being stuck or you enjoy being in the middle of the struggle, but it's like coming out the other side and finding a solution is a, is a thing. Being, you know, and that's what Stan Bowie loves innovation. So I'm sure that there were things that Richard he never is going to sit down and rest. So there's some innovation he was working on over the off season, and it just didn't quite work out for Coda. And so they're gonna they'll fix it, you know. and, and I think that just like last year, it's just a little bit of a hiccup, and I'm not too worried about it. Oh, no. Yeah, I agree. You know what I mean? For some reason, Road Atlanta, if we get good weather, Road Atlanta kind of screams, okay, let's get back to what we think we know, which is Gagne setting the pace, everybody chasing him. That's the idea. But now, Petrucci is going to get healthier over the next couple of weeks. He's going to get stronger. Like I said, he's motocrossing today. I think he's going to another track between now and next Tuesday. I think he's going to be at VIR Monday or Tuesday. I've got to find out, right? Like, he's going to go try to do the thing that Baz did get on a street bike, go ride these tracks, go figure them out, ha, get, get an advantage, you know? So, I mean, I think as weird as it sounds, if you go look at the results only, if you were to look at a piece of paper and you go, okay, well, Petrucci wins over Skultz by one second, then there's 13 seconds back to Peterson, 26 to PJ, right? Or you go day two and you go, all right, Petrucci won by five. Skultz wins or second place by 1.2. Cam Peterson just missed out. Escalante's 20 seconds back. Jake Lewis, 25 seconds. Oh. But if you read between the lines, there's a lot of exciting things to come because we know that the Vision Wheel M4XR Suzuki team didn't get a ton of testing in. We know that nope. Richie Escalante is a hell of a rider. So is Jake Lewis. Yep. They're going to get some things figured out. We know that they have innovation. You know, they work with your boy, Nick Siling, and he's the one designing their swing arms and getting them made right here in the United States. And that's a big deal. How do you, how do you get... The design and the flex to get edge grip out of a stiffer carcass, you know, made in Buffalo Dunlop, right? Yep. I mean, that's 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 the goal.
1: And Nick's a sharp kid, man. And twenty-five
0: know, years old, the kid's really. I mean, I told got Nick, to hang
1: out. I know him at a little different level than you. I'm sure. And you his do, brother yeah. and his brother Hunter, and uh, <laughs> that could be a podcast in itself. Really? Just those two. Oh my God, it's great. But but Nick's sharp kid, and you'd never really. You'd never really know that about Nick if you if you didn't take the time to talk to him. And once you talk to him, you can... And it's great that those well, it looks
0: guys like have, he just got. It looks like he just got off a skateboard or a surfboard. Oh,
1: know? my gosh. Last last round here at CVMA, he looked homeless. Like I'm like, Nick, <laughs> what are you doing? Your hair's going everywhere. You've got no shirt on. He's right. He was riding around on a skateboard, I think. Well, they, or yeah. scooter or something. Yeah, he's right. Anyway. Yeah, if you roll up to and him, he's, it
0: looks like he's a dude who's going to go... Dude. Yeah,
1: and he's a great rider. He rides really, really well. So he understands he understands these things. Like he'd be he be capable of coming here like uh you know, I'm at Chuck Wall right now, and he rides here a lot, but he's capable of like really, really fast time. So he can he can help with some of that. And, yeah, and he gets
0: to ride David Anthony's Right with David because, Anthony, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he gets to ride David Anthony Suzuki and yep. which is the same spec as the as the Vision course. So, yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. So
1: and I think that I think that when you talk about Escalante, that overnight they they you know like you said in the telecast, they found some big things that they wanted to change. They found some they found some big things that they wanted to make better, right? And so yeah. they, they did that. And I think that um, uh, you saw that in Richie's results. The kid takes things very seriously, and he's a really hard worker. And then for Jake, we know what we're going to get with Jake. Jake's going to be that that guy that can run up front. As well. I mean, he didn't just do what he did last year by accident, winning the Superbike Cup and Stock 1000 Championships. He's very deserving of this ride. It didn't look like he looked like the second day. I don't know if he had a problem the second day, but he didn't look himself on day two. And with the limited amount of time that those guys had to as far as the, um, uh, you know, kind of the no warm up thing, Greg, don't know if they made some changes that maybe they couldn't like revert back to in that little 10-minute whatever they did before the start. Um, and, and maybe they made some changes to the bike is what I'm trying to say for day two that weren't as conducive for him. So uh, he didn't look as racy the second day as he did the first. The first day we saw him kind of hung out on the back of uh, Hector Barbara and PJ Jacobson. So in getting to that, let's talk about that titler cycle team. Um, I think overall for the first weekend out for that team was super positive. I, we've heard the problems that the BMWs have been having during testing and some of the other things. We also know that that team has had no testing time in the dry, essentially. A lot of it's been in the rain. So, for Barbara and PJ, I thought the first day to come home fourth and fifth was pretty incredible. Um, Maybe even more so for PJ because he hadn't raced in two years. Gets on a new bike, new team, new everything. Kind of had to re-motivate himself. Probably didn't have to re-motivate himself, but had to plug his old racer brain back in. And... You know, I thought he did such a good job on that first day.
0: I couldn't agree more with that statement. I think PJ is very talented and he goes out there and he just rides. And I was curious to see if the brain had slowed down. I know he had ridden a lot, but it's different when you ride, you know, ovale's on the go kart track or you ride, you know, a 600 around, you know, a, a track day or whatever. This is a different, a different speed. So I thought he did great. I think Hector Barber's got tons of potential. He's going to really help that team along. Uh, drive. I think you know Hector Barber is going to be the the brain behind driving that team in a direction and getting things sorted. Yeah. My question is, can they do it in time? You know, it's so funny, Jay. We talked about how we were talking about traveling. You know, and and getting things sorted out. And when do you buy this year? Because things are so expensive. But just look yeah. at the calendar. It's like, man, we we've already done two races this year.
1: It's crazy. That's so you know? nuts. I know. Well, yeah, and I mean I think that I yeah, it's crazy. In the year, you know, we know how the year goes. It goes by so quickly, doesn't it? It does, and it really seems like we have a in. race
0: almost every other weekend. I think that's I like the, the, the biggest gap. So so the teams are gonna be under pressure. I know that Hector um and told me that they are they're gonna go test, you know, between yeah. now now and Atlanta, which is really good. It's
1: great for them. Yeah. We saw PJ with a problem the second day, which was a shame. His bike looked like it blew up on the second day, and so he was out of that race, which was uh, which was which was a bummer. But you know, Hector Barbara is more than capable. Both those guys are more than capable. I think it's a really good, solid effort from both those guys uh, with that team. And let's not forget their stock thousand team that they put together. So you got two new semis in the in the paddock this year with those two guys or those two teams. Uh, we got a Superbike team and a stock thousand team. Travis Wyman is uh, going to be back on that BMW as we saw on the telecast, and he rode really well. I mean, Greg, he rode really, really well this weekend. Travis ended up ninth in the second race. Can't remember where he was in the first, but
0: um, uh, in the first race he was ninth, so he got he, he got a pair so of ninth place finishes. Pair of ninth,
1: great. I mean, that's really, really good. And and then of course Corey Alexander is going to be there too. Corey's coming off of back surgery and some other things, but he'll be fine. He'll be okay. I mean, the guy right now in stock thousand, when you look overall, like on the weekend and the guy who I think that we're both excited to see back, Hayden Gillum, I mean, rode awesome again. And um, when you look at those stock thousand bikes, Hayden Gillum got the two BMWs, got Michael Gilbert. Um, It's going to be it's lining itself up to be pretty solid this year as far as our stock thousand competitors that got to do the Superbike Cup there at at, uh, at Texas. So. You know, overall, Greg, I think it was an it was an awesome weekend. Um, I, it was a great weekend for us for Superbike. For once, Coda, kind of, I mean, Superbike was okay, but we at least we had some some tight race, better racing through the field at Coda. Normally, it just gets so spread out, but we had some better stuff. And um, looking forward to it. I just made my plane tickets this morning. Is that crazy? Yeah, you're nuts. No, they're cheaper now than they were three weeks ago. Yeesh. So. Anyways, I handled it. So what else was going on, Dakota?
0: Moto GP. You want me to yeah. talk about it? Do it. All right. So Ducati wins again. Um, you know, really good race by Jack Miller, who ends up winning the race, I'm pretty sure, as I'm pulling up the results here. No, sorry, <laughs> <Naya> Bastianini. <laughs> I'm like, Naya, is this guy y- kidding no. me right now? Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm just there. Nee Bastianini rins on the Suzuki. Unbelievable story. Um, and then you have Jack Miller in third, Joan Mir. Bagnaya, Mark Marquez, who comes from DFL, almost DFL, I think.
1: Wow, he no, was I mean, no, right? he was great. He, he, he was completely was DFL, yeah, yeah.
0: Quaderaro, Jorge Martin, Joanne Zarco, the Pramac bikes, I think, were a little bit, a uh, little bit of a disappointment eighth and ninth with the speed they showed in qualifying. Vinales in tenth, Elasia Spargo eleventh. So coming off of a win, Alacia in eleventh. Brad Binder in twelfth. Pola Spargo thirteenth. Uh, Taka Nakagami in fourteenth. And Davizioso, your last point scorer, with Frankie Morbidelli losing out by about, I don't know, a tenth of a second or some crazy thing like that on back through the field. Uh, your non-finishers were Bedzeki and and uh, Alex Marquez. So, Jay, how big of a stud is A Bastianini right now?
1: Well, you know what I was thinking when I was on the plane the other night? I was on my way home, and I was, I was thinking, you know, it was only like three years ago or maybe four years ago, maybe even less— when everybody was flipping about about what's going to happen with MotoGP when Lorenzo's gone and Rossi's gone and Pedrosa's gone, like what's going to happen? Like, can Marquez hold everything up to make it to where it's going to be? You know, Marquez is going to win everything and he's going to be gone. And dude, MotoGP is so good right now. It's so fun, and you're seeing a new star, right? And Bastianini is a stud, and he had that off weekend and. Boy, that when you talk about the tales of two weekends, you look at somebody like Aleix, who went from pole position, fastest lap of the race, gets his first win there um, in Argentina, and he comes here and he ends up 11th, got beat by his teammate even, I think uh, Vinales beat him. And so you sit there, you sit there, and you go, it's it's so fun watching what MotoGP is right now because you just. You just really never know who's going to win, but Bastianini becomes our first double winner of the year. I agree with you on the rinse thing; an incredible ride. I mean, the guy just lo- and he loves the track. Like he's one of the few guys that will sit there and go, "I like this track; it's great for me." Um, no, like he's not
0: bothered by it. By the way, he's the only. He's no. one of the only riders that looks like in rhythm with the track, where other riders there are sections where they fight it. Yeah,
1: to. no, and it's like, and you sit there and you think, well for Renz to come back second. And we're going to we're going to get into Renz a little bit more, you know, when we get to the fantasy part, aren't we, Greg? So, uh, <laughs> uh, the thing is is that it's for me the guy's like I, he's one of my favorite guys to watch, one of my favorite riders, and I think that I watched his interview and I I even said at the beginning of the year, 3 rounds in, I said he looks different in the sense that he realizes that he can't just keep throwing points away. He can't run around in second and third, fourth and fifth crash and get score nothing right now. He's second in the championship. I mean, we had a complete, like the, the championship got turned on its head in Argentina and now it's got turned back on its head again. We're coming into this weekend. I think we had an Aprilia and a KTM first and second, and now we've got a Ducati and a Suzuki first and second. So it's, it's man, what a championship. Uh, Jack Miller finishing third. He's going to be, I believe Greg, if I've got this right, he's our 10th podium finisher of the season. Um, and we still haven't had Bagnaia on the podium yet. So it goes to show you kind of where we're at with this stuff, um, how how competitive it is. I think Miller did a great job. He had the hardest race of them all, don't you agree, because of how many laps he led at the beginning? Just kind of out there in no man's land, pushing the wind, and got guys plus zero, and you're like, what do you do? You just got to keep charging. Um, It seemed like he ran into a little bit of tire issues towards the end. He was pretty complimentary of the other two guys, but it was good to see Miller on the podium. I think it's important that we see Miller on the podium.
0: I agree. Agree. He's got great personality. Yeah. He's one of the older statesmen now, but coming into form, which is great. Where you look at Mark Marquez and you go, unbelievable race. But you know, you still hold your breath for Mark, saying like, what's going to happen, right? So I think Jack's in a really good position. I love the guy. Yeah. I saw him, him post race. He came over to talk to Petrucci when I was hanging out with them, and and uh, I had mentioned something, and he goes, Yeah, I remember you. You know, because yeah, I spent a lot of time, you know, in the pits interviewing these riders over the years, and some of yep. them don't even know I exist. You know what I mean? Even though I talked to him 15 times, Jack's that guy. Like he's got that Nikki thing where Nikki Hayden always made you feel like, you know, in that moment he was listening to you. He was present with you. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's great. Like he never made you feel like you had, he had some other place to be. Yeah. Take time. Jack has got that same kind of thing about him. He's a real grassroots down to earth kind of guy. He's just not affected by being a MotoGP factory racer.
1: No, not at all. And like the respect level gained on him went to a whole nother level last year when he went back to australia and did that superbike race on a essentially a stock ducati thousand and i said i ducati, said i did um, say to him yeah. jay
0: because of that with that in mind i did say to him something like hey you know i got a feeling we're going to see you here in five to ten years and he turned around he goes to petrucci he goes maybe next year huh And then petrucci just funny, starts huh? laughing yeah. i was like please no but
1: that's he's very he's got a lot really good guy in that regard, you know? Yeah. So he's a good guy in that regard. Juan Mir, tremendous effort for him ending up fourth. I thought, uh, the Suzuki just look solid. Don't they Greg? I mean, I think if there's a bike out there, I'd want to ride right now. It'd be one of those bikes. Well, let's talk Um, about that real quick. Let's talk about the Suzuki.
0: So we, we know that the Suzuki like basically broke, like Juan Mir broke the top speed record at Qatar, right? They were the fastest bike ever on a Suzuki. And everybody was like, what the heck? 220. I think it, it was, uh, where Zarco had gone the year before or something like that, 218. In, in in Coda, Jay, where the racetrack is different, you've been to Qatar, you've raced Qatar, you know that coming onto the front straightaway, you're probably in what, third gear already?
1: Uh, probably second. On second gear, right? Yeah. So, but you're so, flowing yeah. You're flowing yeah. out of the
0: straightaway. So it's different. Yeah. You know, Coda, you're coming out of turn 11, you're, you're in first gear. Yeah. So a lot of people were kind of, you know, on the te- technical side of things, were looking back saying, okay, how good is this Suzuki? They're coming out of first gear, they're going to sixth gear how are they going to be compared to you know compared to a Ducati? If you've got to run at it, your top speed, you could say, mm, okay, it's not as much horsepower as aerodynamics in that particular situation. So this is an indicator of both aerodynamics and um, I want to say horsepower, but it's not necessarily. It can be obviously internals in terms of friction yep. loss and things like that. So anyway, in the end, I think it ended up being 4K, on average, the difference, or two and a half miles per hour, the difference between a Suzuki and a Ducati, and this, the Ducati was just a little bit quicker, that is a massive indicator, this track, that Suzuki has legitimately made a jump in its acceleration. Yep. And from all the things that I've read, it's more about um, how that squat device works. What do they call it, Jay, in MotoGP? They're calling it um, I a I can't remember either. A shapeshifter, but, I think, is what they're calling it, right? Dude, yes. But really, it's yeah, that squatting yeah. device. And the squatting device doesn't just lower the center of gravity, lengthen the wheelbase slightly, and give you better wheelie control. It also changes the angle of the aerodynamics on the front, reducing drag, which allows riders to get a little bit more acceleration. Yep. Um, And the Suzuki has been noted as being the least amount of drag of any motorcycle out there currently. And post-race, Rins had said that they're looking for more downforce and that they're going to have new aero package that's coming out here in the next couple of races which may slow the Ducati down slightly depending on where they decide you know the trade off is going to be you know slow the give Suzuki you a little down. bit more wait yeah, to du- slow Suzuki down exactly yeah, yeah, maybe yeah. just a little bit yeah. so it's really you know you and I when we <laughs> grew up in racing a lot i mean it was just give me more horsepower give me more horsepower give me more horsepower now things have gotten to the point where I mean, an engine's just an air pump, man. There's only so much you're going to be able to do I, with it. I agree.
1: you got to get it to the ground. you
0: got to get it ground. to the ground.
1: you got to get it going through the air. And so yeah. what was great is if you go back and you look at Rin's post-race uh, on the MotoGP.com website, he has the biggest grin on his face when they start talking to him about the extra horsepower that they have found. Because, Greg, generally when we find more horsepower, we run into a lot of other problems. And it seems like Suzuki's really figured out a way— to smooth the power through to where it's like they haven't had Suzuki's always had a pretty good chassis, it seems, anyways, right? But they it 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 in this case, it's really funny because it's like it doesn't seem like they've sacrificed the gains that, that that motorcycle has had all like through the years. They've been able to put a little bit of horsepower into it and give them the extra speed that they need without compromising too much. And he seems really excited about the idea of that. I mean, the Ducati still is was so much faster. Like when you look at Miller, how quick Miller went right back by him. And I know Rins was in a little bit tight and people are going to go, yeah, well, Miller cut it back up underneath him. But pretty much the whole race, you could see that the Ducatis had no problem going by anything on the straightaways. But it's allowed these guys that instead of falling three tenths back, they fall a tenth and a half back, you know? And it's that difference that, that really makes a difference to where you can, you could do something with these guys when you get to the next corner. So, Man, I think it's going to be a great year for Suzuki. And you've got to remember, they're doing this as a two-rider team without having satellite teams and all that. Um, pretty incredible stuff. It's very be- exciting yeah. for them. I think, be- having,
0: I think having Livio Supo back, by the way, you know who's now a team manager for Suzuki, back in our paddock, I mean. yep, uh, And taking that responsibility... Off of Sahara-san, that's a, that's a big deal too. It's allowed resources to kind of free up in terms of how things get managed on the team. Yeah. And so the riders have responded to that, you know, in addition to just getting the bike more sorted.
1: Yeah, that's no, crazy. Greg, how many times in our lives do we see it where a guy that we think is going to come in and blow people away could be a championship favorite, could be whatever we look at it as, and it just doesn't seem to ever. Be as easy as that. So, where I'm getting to is is Bagnaya hasn't even been on the podium this year. He's been beat regularly by other Ducatis. I love Peko Bagnaya. I think he's, like, amazing. I thought this I thought this weekend looked a little bit like... It, it looked like it was going to go down the path for a minute that Bagnaya was going to get his stuff together enough to where he was going to be able to, to, to do something. But, man, it... It's a fifth place finish.
0: I don't know what's going on there. Really I weird, think, huh?
1: I, I think, yeah,
0: I just think that sometimes the factory team, especially in MotoGP, where innovation is king, that they've innovated themselves right out. Obviously, a 2020 bike wins again on a satellite yeah. team that hadn't won since, well, they only won one race, right, since 2006 20, with Tony
1: Elias. 2022 bike, right? Sorry. You said 2020 bike, but 2022 bike?
0: Well, no, it's a 2020 bike, really. Oh, sorry, it, because because the bike frozen. Bastianini's on the older bike, right? So everything was frozen for during COVID. So, uh, is, yeah, is
1: twi- okay. So I thought, oh, it's Martine that's on the Martine's on the current. Cor-
0: correct. Yes. Is on the current bike. So is Zarco. Yes. And the, and the four. Yep. So. Okay, and
1: the other guys are on the one one year old, two year old type bikes, one and a half. Yeah,
0: exactly. Old, yeah. It's probably a hybrid. I mean, there wasn't yeah, much yeah, yeah. during yeah. COVID, right? So yep. they, I, think, yep. I think people just kind of pointing at it and say it's a 2020 bike gp20 i don't even think there was a gp21 i think you're right yeah anyway uh i could be wrong on that but i'm sure that you know people will comment so yeah i agree with you i think peco's got some work to do um you know i think when we head to europe things will change things will settle down it seems like they're going in the right direction a little bit more consistency for them in in the practice sessions a little more consistency in qualifying it's not so much up and down than we saw the first couple so that's the thing I mean, look, we could get lost in this all day, Jay, but, I mean, you know, there, there's so much great to talk about in MotoGP, but I know what you really want to talk about after that is, I mean, obviously, Mark Marquez had great race pace. Unreal, and set the, huh? Kept setting fastest laps of the race. He had a problem. They don't know what it was. It wasn't the pit lane speed limiter stuck on. It was, like, some warning on the dashboard, and he had every opportunity to pull that motorcycle in because it was, like, flashing to him, don't ride this bike, and he went out and did it anyway. So tip yeah. of the cap. Probably Unreal. one of the best six place finishes that I've, I've seen. I, what I didn't go and look at was how many, how many seconds did he lose by the time they got to turn one versus <sighs> he's finished his 6.6 like, back Like that eat. first,
1: uh, how much did he lose in that first lap? Huh, That's I mean, what I'm saying. Yeah. So, I, I'd have to go so back and look pass.
0: versus how much he actually was behind at the end because, but he had a, he had a good ding dong with, uh, with Cotteraro Cotteraro was throwing him shots. I mean, that was, that was a really nice little battle. I mean, and that could have, been a,
1: have the, that been a race for the win.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah. They were, they, yeah. You know? It looked like a world championship race. and It's the race that Cuadarros wanted since the number one plate, right? Like he, correct. you know, he wants to get out there and he knows that his bike is, is under accelerated under top speed. I, you know, naturally you want to say underpowered. I don't know if that's entirely the case. We'll see, right. you know, rumor has it that uh, the Yamaha team is going to come out with some new arrow as well over the next couple. But I think really the things you want to talk about are what in the hell Aprilia slash KTM, where were they?
1: Well, again, this is what makes this championship so much fun, though, doesn't it? Because yeah. one weekend it's going to be like Alice was saying yesterday, he's like, you know, you can't, in his pre post race, like you can't get too frustrated because everybody's going to have these races where you just kind of put your hands up at the end and you go, hey, I rode my butt off and this is where I got. I saw Binder saying that Binder got up to like ninth on the KTM, a weekend that those guys will have to, that they just really want to forget about. But he said he goes. He got up to ninth, and then he ran into the back of I can't remember who it was now. He, he like basically ran into the back of Zarko, and it cost him three spots because both the Aprilias went by him, and so he went from ninth. And he's like, I finished twelfth. He goes, I feel like it should have been a ninth, but you know. And he's just kind of he just kind of talked about how. He's like, I gave 100%. He's like, I rode hard the whole time. Like Marquez said that the reason why he didn't go forward anymore, he said, with six laps to go, is he's like, he was just shagged out. He couldn't do it anymore. And I don't think that has so much to do with his physical conditioning as it does the, the track itself. It's just super physically demanding.
0: Well, I so think it's both. Obviously, he wasn't a little bit of training both, hard sure. because he yeah. had the you know the vision thing, right? Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. But you're right. I mean, it is. One of the most physical tracks, I think,
1: on the entire MotoGP. Circuit. I mean, dude, Jack Miller finished 14th at Argentina, didn't pass a single rider, and then this week he led the race and and led the majority of the race and ends up third on the podium. I mean, it's just that kind of weekend. But this is where, Greg, this is where I think that the Suzuk- the, the Suzukis hold such a big advantage. I think that the Suzukis this year are going to just. I think their bad races are going to be fifths and sixes. I don't think they're going to be 14ths or 10ths so much you know and if they continue to finish and they stay upright it's going to be it's going to be amazing
0: well well, the question i have for you is knowing knowing now that you know the head of the suzuki moto gp program sahara Sahara,
1: yeah amazing when are you going to ask him when you get to test the bike? oh my god can you imagine if that was even a possibility so i was sitting talking you can ask i was sitting there talking to hopper i got to (laughs) catch up with hopkins john hopkins for just a few And as I'm talking to him, you know, look, I couldn't tell you the last time I saw Shinichi-san. I couldn't tell you the last time I saw him. And he looks over at me, and he goes, Jason-san. And I'm like, there's no way he remembers me. And he came right over and just started talking to me for like 10 minutes. And I was like so blown away by the whole thing. And I'm like, is this even real? And so – um. Yeah, and so I ended up talking to him. Sent him an Instagram message when I was on the plane, and he got right back to me. So yeah, it was pretty pretty cool, man.
0: Like for the, it, for those that yeah. don't know, um, if you're an old person, you're going to remember the the TL one thousand Suzuki program. Yeah, and Shinichi Sahara was the I believe the program director for the whole TL program. Spent a, quite a bit of time uh, here in the U.S. In, in AMA Superbike at the time because they were racing it in. AMA supervisor. AMA Superbike. AMA Superbike bike, yeah. Kirby yeah, and had four factory riders, a couple 750s and TLs, and so that's probably where you guys, I would imagine, know each other. Cross from.
1: paths, and we've seen each other over the years, but it's been some time. And I see him on TV all the time, and I'm like, ah, yeah. And when I saw, I saw him, you know, like I said, I was talking to Hopper, uh, and I saw him come out of like one of the Suzuki hospitalities just behind pits there, and. I was like, wow! Like the fact that he—I mean, look—I was blown away. The fact that he took hey, the time. Hey, everybody! Come listen, say hi go to it's Jason's. Cool.
0: Go to Jason's Instagram and on his last post that he posted up that you see, just make a comment, and if you want to see Jason be able to test, <laughs> yeah, a right, Suzuki G S X R
1: R. Yeah. They won't even Moto me get MotoGP bike. They, if they're smart, they would that, never ever let me get near. I might
0: You know who? I, listen, man. You know we're we at some point are going well, to have Sylvain Gintoli on this on this channel. Okay, yeah, maybe
1: even Hodgson. That'd be great.
0: Oh, yeah, Hodgson for sure. That That's an easy one. But if we get Sylvain on, he's the test rider for, for MotoGP. You don't know. I mean, we listen, we got connections, bro. If we I got people.
1: if they said, Jay, we're going to let you ride it at whatever track, right? Chuck would, Walla? Tr- <laughs> no, yeah, yeah. Let me ride it at Chuck Walla. Oh, my God, what a waste. If they – yeah, it, would, it wouldn't, it wouldn't Third work gear, probably yeah, around there. But, yeah. but uh, the funny thing about that whole thing is, is – I'd probably just get on and ride it right out of the racetrack. Does it run on pump gas? Would I be able to make it back to anywhere? Right no, there? no,
0: no, one <laughs> in the MotoGP teams that I do, they're only going to put you sure? just like you guys did with me on the Jordan bike that one time. You're only going to put like five laps worth of fuel in the thing to yes. make sure that you're not, you don't get away. It'd be pretty funny. Uh, no, it was, I amazing, can imagine the car amazing. chase through, dude, what was that? What was that movie years ago where that? Uh, where the kid gets a five hundred GP bike, like he's riding around his hometown and then he ends up going <laughs> to the races. And do you remember that thing from no, the eighties? I don't. Oh my god, man, that movie was was awesome. Like this dude's yeah. like bombing around town, the cops are there and his friend's got a stopwatch at his house. He's on a five hundred GP
1: bike. Now oh, <laughs> Riding around the street. That'd be you. Like I saved an hour and a half of my life. That's great. I mean, whatever. Anyway, hey, look, dude, man, can I ask
0: you a question? But hold on a second. Before we yeah. get any further, what yeah. I do wanna say is well, we're going to I think what we're going to do next week. We we do have Moto 2 and Moto 3 still to talk about, but we also had World Superbike. But I think what we're going to do, Jay, if you're cool with it, is we'll get Steve English on the broadcast on the podcast next week and we're going to do a deeper dive into World Superbike. It would
1: be great because I'll be home. As yeah, right okay. now, right right now I'm sitting in Simon's uh sitting in Simon's uh, room here in his garage because wor- World Superbike was unbelievable this weekend, especially yeah, race one World Super
0: Sport. It, it deserves a, its a own podcast. Yeah. It is a joke, so yeah. we're going to do that. We'll get Steve English. I know he doesn't have to be at the races till the 24th or something like that. He's got time, and uh, we were texting last night, so we're going to do that. So Steve English we,
1: always has time for us.
0: He's really great. I mean, you, you, yeah,
1: he's he's awesome.
0: All right, so Jay, so let's let's transition so, transition. Yeah. Out. Uh, unless there's more about MotoGP. No, I was talking. just
1: going to ask you a simple question. Like, do we Shoot. have to? Do we have to talk about Moto Two?
0: Do we? Do we have to talk about Moto Two? Yeah, it's crushing. No, we we have to talk about Moto Two. Uh, but Why wouldn't we? Yeah,
1: I mean, just it's, I, I know Cam. it's so. It's poor so Cam, cr-
0: dude. And poor Cam, dude. Poor Cam is right, but. But let's just, I'll just rip over the results, okay? No, I'll
1: rip them through. But I mean, yeah, we're talking, I was obviously being facetious, but yeah. Yeah,
0: no, no, no. And I agree with you, but, you know, and I hate it for yeah. Cam, and I yep. haven't talked to him about it. But Tony, Tony Arbolino wins the race by 3.4 over who, Jason?
1: Who, uh, I, your boy. My boy. I, I agree. What a great photo, by the way.
0: Thank you. Yeah, that just was cool. a great, a story. great, great. I'll tell you photo. the story in a second. So Jake Dixon ends up third, Marcel Schroeder. Who was in a good battle with Cameron, and it looked like Cameron had, you know, had fourth place all buttoned up over Strutter, and then crashed. Uh, oh. Jorge Nav- on the last lap with like I don't even know how how many corners to go five Just six I can't brutal. remember. Yeah, uh, Navarro, Alcoba, Bo Ben Schneider in seventh. Joe Roberts comes in nineteen point seven seconds back in eighth. Good top ten finish for him. Augusto Fernandez, Baltus, uh, Barry Baltus in tenth. Arenas, Ramirez, Gonzalez, Solich, Solic, and Fanati. Jay, we only had 17 finishers in this race. Yeah, We had a, was a lot it was of a people. show. Yeah. I mean, Rodrigo, Chanta, Sam Lowe's. Chantra, Chantra. Just cleaned out five guys. Yeah. Aldegar and Venda Gerberg didn't even make it. Um, Acosta crashes out. Antonelli, Canette, Bobier, Zaccone, Vietti, Corsi. I mean, some huge names. Ended up throwing this thing down the road. So yeah, the,
1: the first one, though. The first one, when you look at it, Shantra just gets into the end of the back straightaway way too hard, cleans out lows, which then in turn Skittles Aldegar, Rodrigo and and Van Gorberg, which was a shame because you know I am pretty high up on this Aldegar kid. The dude's he's sixteen years old. He's unbelievable. And I was it was a shame to see that happen to him. Those guys didn't even get to complete a lap. So Shantra's come off of two podiums in a row. He ends up, you know, obviously one in Indonesia. Got no points at Doha because he was injured. Wins at in Indonesia. Comes to Argentina. Finishes a close second to Viète, and and then skittles everybody, which was just a bummer. Um, but boy, Greg, when you look at it, seeing Viette crash, you're like, oh well, this is it for Canet now. He's gonna he's it's gonna be a big points haul. Then he crashes on his own, right? I mean, just on his own. Acosta crashes on his own. It was it was a race of attrition.
0: What is so interesting in talking to John Hopkins after the race was he was kind of describing how much of a razor edge it is to ride these Moto2 bikes because they don't have the electronics that's, that you know GP has, but you've got to really control the motorcycle and steer the motorcycle with the rear end of the bike. And he said it just lends itself to these little mistakes turning into big mistakes where you, like you've mentioned, even riding a current Superbike bike as, as you got to ride last year or actually a few months ago and how good these motorcycles are and how the electronics are, you can push them in a, such a different way you know, than yep. you can with these bikes that I think maybe the wind is part of something that may have affected these Moto2 bikes more than they've affected some of the other bikes. And yep. they found themselves just hung out to dry and next thing you know, boom, you hit the deck. Maybe?
1: Maybe. I, You know, it's weird. I just think that that track lends itself to mistakes every now and then. I do. I, I just feel like it's a place where mistakes can be easily made and and all of like all the accidents that you see there they all look like like it just happens like it's there's like other than the guy other than shantra cleaning those guys out it didn't look like Kinet was going to crash and all of a sudden he's on the deck viette crashed in that right-hander before the left that connect crashed and it didn't look like much acosta crashed in the s's like hit a curve
0: crashed in last lap didn't nope. look like anything either. It
1: looked horrible. And like it, there had been some guys that had crashed there already during the week on that tip into, what, is it 16, 17, 18 complex? Yeah. And, and so, 13. yeah, the right-hander, yeah. So, so oh, man, it's just such a drag. But what it does is it makes the championship, I mean, it just closed everything back up because Viette not scoring and, and Kenneth not scoring because those two guys had pretty much, I mean – they were first and second in the championship. They had a bit of a gap on everybody. And it just kind of closed everything back up, didn't it? So it's, it in, a, it, yeah. in a way, you go like, well, it's uh, it's good and it's bad. But I just think it's a weird... Tony Arbolino, a lot of guys speak super highly of him, how good he is. So I don't think it's that surprising to see him win. Um, his inaugural win on this team... I was lucky enough, GW, just be sitting in that garage that whole time during that race. And... Uh, there was a part of me that wanted to take a video just because I thought you would have just loved it. There was two guys in that pit box that looked like they were on the verge of heart attacks the whole race <laughs> when Arbolino's leading. I mean, one of them says to me, um, he says, I think he was Italian. He says, uh, in kind of broken English, I've been here for 13 years and I just can't take this. And he's walking back and forth and round and round and. When Lowe's got taken out, they were obviously disappointed. And then Arbolino takes the lead. And then it became like, oh, my God, we could win this race. And there was one guy that couldn't even watch the TV He's sitting right in front of me. Head down, he would look up, and then he'd head back down again. And then look up, and then head back down again. <laughs> and uh, the feelings of it were just were great. But Arbolino, with that, jumps himself up into third in the point standings to 54. So Viette stayed at 70. That's what's crazy. Viette's still leading the championship at 70. Your boy, Ayagura, jumps up. Uh, to second at 56. Arbolino, Kinnett, and Chantra are going to be top five right now in that championship. Um, so here's this here's the story yeah. with
0: the photo, right? So the story with the Oh photo yeah, is this is a great one, yeah. Post-race uh, between our booth and where the restroom was is a room where, if you've ever watched MotoGP.com, you can see that uh, riders do interviews. And so what they do is they just have kind of a long wall, uh, and then they set up microphones for all the different stations, and then the riders, it's great. They just get to walk from one to the other to the other, and then get it all done. So I walked through there, uh, after the Moto2 race to go to the restroom and I is sitting there with one of his crew chiefs and I walk, I walk by to go to the bathroom and I'm thinking while I'm in there, if he's back, if he's there, I'm going to introduce myself and I'm going to try to get a photo. Now you got to understand 25 years of doing this, unless they're a friend of mine, I've taken photos with racers, but because they've been friends, I've never walked up to a racer I've never met in my life and said, "Hey, can we take a photo?" I think it's extremely unprofessional to do that if you're in the field. I've never asked for an autograph, like none of that stuff. I mean, I've asked for autographs from friends for Jeff White, for his wall. I mean, why wouldn't I, right? Let's Jeff White yep. big fan, big fan. Yeah, big fan. So, I had to muster up courage, man, and I walked through and he's kind of sitting off to, off to the back back wall. He's I think he's already done his interviews or whatever. And I walked up to him and I just said, "Hi, I am Greg." And he looked at me and goes, "Yeah." So really funny. And I said, I know your sister, Karin, because she used to race in the U.S. And he was like, oh, no kidding. And then we wrapped out for a little bit. I told him, try to tell him, you know, about the podcast and how he's my boy on the podcast. And he kind of smiled. And I said, is it possible to take a picture with you? And he's like, oh, yeah, let's go. And that's why you see, like, he's smiling. He's got the peace sign up. I mean, it was great. So that was all I got with him. But, you know. Good guy. and And I immediately, by the way, walked from there. And then 30 steps later, I was in the booth and there Jason was. And so I showed him right away.
1: Oh, uh, you were so happy too. I was like laughing. I've never seen you giddy like that. It's <laughs> it like pretty cute. funny. Yeah. It's like yeah, you yeah, just met pretty... Justin Bieber for your first time uh, or something. What? Yeah, Kelly, Clarkson? <laughs> Kelly Clarkson? Kelly Clarkson. Who? Yeah. So I anyway, knew uh, that was that. Yeah. That was, that was cool. And especially, and it was funny because I saw in some of your comments from people, that they you know, put it together, like your boy. I think Kyle Wyman put on there like your no, guy. No, there were a
0: couple. There were quite a few yeah, people that, that cool. knew, like, oh, finally, right? Your boy, your boy. Yeah, it's yeah. all from you. Speaking yeah. of your boy, uh, Masia wins the Moto3 race, Jason, yes. by a tenth of a second over Faggia Migno, Sasaki. Any one of those four could have won that race. I, I mean, Sasaki never really looked like the strongest one to win the race, but he was in the mix. Dennis Anju was one second behind, Artigas, Guevara, Tatai, Rossi um, Suzuki in 10th place. So Jake, give us a little bit about that because I think from what we've seen at Coda in the past, I thought that there were, it was a bit of a, a pleasant surprise to have as many riders in contention. On don't the you think lap.
1: that, don't you think that over the course of the weekend though, I was pretty stoked with all the racing. Like that's yes. why I kind of said at the beginning of the podcast, like all the racing at Coda generally in the past has been a little bit boring, a little processional this week. I mean, you know, you make the track better and the racing gets a little bit closer. That's kind of the only thing I can take away from it because the GP race I thought was outstanding. Moto2 race was Moto2 race was a bit of a snoozer only because, you know, after all those guys crashed, everything was a little bit follow the leader. Moto3 race was exceptional, Moto, and I thought super bikes for our guys were pretty good. So uh, overall, I thought it was great. Jami Masia might be the kid who has the most hype around him that's done the least amount with it. So it's, it's never surprising to see Masio win a win a Moto three race. It's like it's kind of it's it's black or white with him. He either crashes spectacularly while leading or in the in the thereabouts, or he'll get some long lap penalties or some shit. Or 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 he wins the race. And in this particular case, he won the race, did it in really spectacular fashion, beats Faggia on the on the last lap, who Faggia now um, Has ended up second in the last two Grand Prix. I get the feeling in my guts about Fagia. Fagia looks like a MotoGP rider to me. The way he talks and handles himself, Greg. I don't know if you've watched too many of his interviews. Um, But he has that MotoGP kind of look about him. And it feels like he got through these first four rounds. And now he's going back to Europe. Because he was the title favorite coming in. And now he'll be going back to Europe. And leading the points. And I think he's in a really good, like, I think he's in a really good place. Do you know what I mean? He's up he's up 74 to 58 over Sergio Garcia, who didn't finish this race because of an accident, and then he had to eventually pull in. So um, Foggia looks like the danger man for the season, for sure, right now. Especially when they start heading back to Europe. Remember, he narrowly missed... Last year, remember the controversy with the whole thing at Portugal when he he got cleaned out and uh, Acosta won the championship?
0: Yeah, and that's the thing. Foggi, uh, he's he's definitely... In a rhythm right now, and rhythm. I think that a rhythm, he's in a rhythm. He, he's yeah. in,
1: a in a rhythm, yeah. But
0: Faggia has the potential to break this field apart and yeah. make Moto 3 more like a normal race class. I Correct. think at some of these races where he might win by four or five seconds and then leave it up to second, third, and fourth to duke it out. I agree, it seems like he's kind of taken that step at this point, and uh. I mean, in, a, in one way, I hope it doesn't happen. And the other way, it'll be like uh, less stressful to watch a Moto3 race for you. <laughs> for
1: me, yeah, I freak out. But I think that the thing is, is that he has shown that he can continuously get himself and move himself to the front. And so I think that when you look at it, for me with him, um, Faggio just, I, Sergio was my guy to, to win the championship. I just felt like that was kind of his time. Faggio, I knew was going to be the, the, the roadblock in that. And it's going to be a matter of, this class is so hard to win. This and Moto2 are just like, well, all three are, are impossible to win, it seems like. But we have had a double winner now with, in Moto GP, which is good. We had a double winner with Vieta and Moto2. Um, but yeah, well, it, this the Moto3 season is going to be a lot of fun to watch. And, you know, when we talk about Ayuma Sasaki, he's kind of like a to me in the sense that, you know, we talked about it in the booth while we were watching the race. I said the amount that he was leading by in Doha when the fairings blew off or whatever happened, um, it would just be devastating if the guy n- never won a race again, right? Yeah. So win. he's so he's always there. Um, Agora,
0: he's, Agora did not look happy, by the way, when I ran into That's what you team. said.
1: Well, he wants yeah. to win, too. He hasn't won. He I mean, wants team, to, yeah, he really wants to win. His teammate has won. Yep. So it's like, yeah. yeah. We'll, yep. Anyways.
0: MotoGP Fantasy coming off of, uh, you know, Make sure you join us, Greg's Garage Pod, with Jason Pridmore. We have 325 people, Jason. Is that what it is? Pretty wild. Yeah, 325 people involved in this thing. Last week, Circuit of the Americas, the number one point scorer with 176, was three WSMC champs over Schwizbiz, OW13 Racing, which, by the way, OW13 Racing comes in third best in this round with us. Still sitting at 142nd. Um, so overall, let's look at overall, Jason. Dude, I suck so bad. Yeah, you suck. Fight Club leads the way. Risky Business 13 in second place. Schwiz Biz in third. Meast Racing, our three WSMC champs coming in at fifth spot. Jason, your boy, me. My boy.
1: You killed it. I went it. from Did you kill
0: 79th to 44th, I believe.
1: I went from 179th to 188th dude I, that is awesome I just congratulations God I almost said something bad there but yeah I know Justin's killing it my guy Justin up he's the one leading it right now he's is killing he really a yeah. couple
0: notables Garrett Kai in 13th place um Kyle Wyman in 15th just ahead of Andrew Lee I believe yeah he Travis said he was just, Wyman.
1: Kyle, Kyle said he was gonna start going backwards he was right I think oh, he was really? fifth and now he's wherever yep yeah, yeah, Travis is doing good too,
0: huh? Mm-hmm. Travis is doing really well. He's up in the mix. So Anthony's I up... seventh.
1: I think Anthony is seventh. He runs our other pot. he runs our other one, doesn't he? Yeah, he does. Yeah. Yeah. He's doing good.
0: So, I'm like I said, I'm up to forty-fourth. I am two behind JP and Greg Holds Hands, and I'm another two behind Bitch Face. <laughs> so, you know. Hashtag life goals, I guess, oh just God. to get ahead of these clowners. But join join us uh, in that league. And, uh, oh, by the way, it is time to give away a Moto America Live Plus subscription. So, Jason Pridmore, pick a number between 1 and 325. 94. 94 it is. So, if you're lucky, 94, you have won yourself a Moto America Live Plus subscription. All you have to do is get a hold of me on social media. Uh, Greg White TV on Instagram is a good way to do it. What did you say? What number? 94. 94 is K. Peters 2018. K. Peters 2018. You just won yourself a Moto America Live Plus subscription. You can message me on social media and I will give you the code. If you want to donate it back to the pool, you can. Or you can take the code and give it to someone else if you've already paid for your Moto America Live Plus deal. A lot of good content. We were on there quite a bit, actually, considering we only had one race. But uh, Road Atlanta is coming up in a couple of weeks. And I mean, baggers are going to be there, and uh, you know, uh, hooligans. Like, it is absolutely a packed schedule. Um, let's. So I got. So,
1: so before we go anywhere with this, I'm going to have you do this, okay? Yeah, yeah. Because I'm not going to mention her name, and you don't know who I'm talking about. But I took a little ration of shit this morning. So go ahead and go ahead and talk about who's 104th, real quick. 104th. Let's see. Yeah, 104th.
0: That. Oh, I'm right there anyway. So let me. Yeah, just you're scroll. right there. Let me let me click on load page. Ducati Fox.
1: Yes, I'm not, don't, and, I, and I, and she's great, by the way. I love her, uh, but I'm not going to mention her name because she's like, oh my god, I just want to mention, and 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 I, I want the Arai helmet. So she, so this is this is what I take. Okay? okay, so basically, she went from 260th this week to 104th because last week. Do you remember when I said I'm not doing it to the people that are down at the bottom because they don't do as many as us? Yeah, she took that as motivation to. <laughs> basically jump up so she went from 260th to 104th so i took a little ration of shit from that this morning wait
0: did you know she was 104 and that why you picked 94 10 away <laughs> from getting her a subscription even better huh that's a douchey move i like it yeah, though but great but, right but jay whoever she is yes she turboed she turbo Bastianini. it paid paid off but she, she, she also it. had alex marquez silver goose egg darren binder two points so yeah she had miller Bastianini turboed only two turbos left for Ducati Fox. Better yeah, mind your P's and Q's. Yeah, but Long she season. jumped
1: up. Look how much she jumped up. 260 to 104.
0: Yeah, that's pretty good, but it's really
1: good. How many turbos do you have left? I got all three. There you go. The other thing, the other thing you got is I think I saw I think I saw Caroline on here. I think she's right. Is she either ahead Caroline of you? Caroline
0: did well. Yeah, Caroline did pretty well. Yeah. Did you see she was she was uh Caroline she was, Olsen, we're talking about
1: She Olsen. was doing then she was the, doing the Norwegian broadcast of the MotoGP weekend did you know that
0: oh, yeah I tuned in and listened to every word I totally yeah. understood everything she said her insight actually into <laughs> the new airbox that Ducati is running was unbelievable. Really really good wasn't it it yeah. was pretty impressive yeah Yeah, yeah. yeah I'm Although pay, she does I'll have pay, ki- she I'll does kind of have that. that like you know kind of mid southern Norwegian accent going right? on I prefer more she of a got that Texas a Northern- southern yeah, I prefer more of a northeastern kind of a Norwegian accent. But, I mean, Caroline, whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah, you, what, what are you going to do? do? You
1: what, know you know gonna, what are you, you going to do? She
0: rolls her R's a little bit more than I think she should. You know yes. but what, what do I know about
1: we that? We've got to talk to her about that. <laughs> yeah, oh, my God. I have no idea. Anyway, yeah, I I'm gonna, a, I'll take what? the brunt. I'll, I'll be taking the brunt of all that now. Thank you.
0: Oh, you're welcome. Oh, yeah, I, love, really, I enjoy that. Totally You're Your slide that. in MotoGP and the fact that Caroline's going to text you a bunch of shit about my comments. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I, I'll take the heat until she gets a hold of you. All I right, tangle. let's talk about... Uh, pull supercross. him up, g because I'm looking them up. I yeah, was, Supercross. Marvin Muscan. My, my world Mar- superbike, but Marvin Muscan wins, yeah. yes.
0: Marvin Muscan wins, goes 2-1-2. Good, good, good ride for him and KTM. Marvin's back. Chase Sexton started off tonight with a big W. Thought he might be able to do it, but th- two-thirds after that. Tomac ends up 4-4-1, so the magic isn't gone, folks. I mean, Tomac lost... Five points to Muskan who's not in the chase, and obviously two points to Sexton. Really, it's it's you know, Anderson, Barsha, the people have been in it, he beats yeah. them because Anderson's in fourth, Barsha in fifth, Brayton in sixth, uh Vince Freezey in seventh, Hartramph, yep. Malcolm, man, he had third place. i r I'd picked him to win, but he had a big off in race number two, finishes nineteenth, comes back and just grits it out uh to finish sixth. But he he overall in ninth, and then Justin Bogle, Cade Clayson in eleventh. Um, I didn't get to see a lot of this race, Jay. I saw a couple of a couple laps, but I didn't get to see much. Did you?
1: Well, no. You and I both we didn't get to see any of it, did we? Because we were uh, we had to go to dinner. We were at the track to like forever, and then we went to dinner, and they didn't have it on there because they had the they had the fights on. Remember UFC? So, um, yeah. So I didn't get I didn't get we you and I went back in the room. We saw what Leila jumping over the last jump to win the. That's right. That's the, exactly. Yeah, we saw the yeah. last lap of the last race. And that yeah. was about it. Yeah. yeah, so we, I didn't get to see any of it either, which was a drag. Um, I like watching Supercross. Uh, where are they at this week? I forget where they're at.
0: Like where are they headed? Yeah. Uh, let's see. They are going to...
1: I'll, I'll pull see. up. I'm pulling up the fantasy stuff. You pull that up, and then we'll... Yeah.
0: Um. I actually don't know where they're going. I think
1: they're going to Atlanta. I could be wrong. But they said something about an East-West... I think there's an East-West shootout in Atlanta this week which is kind of interesting because they were talking to uh, I was listening to Mathis on the Pulp Show talking about uh, talking to Jet about racing against Christian Craig finally.
0: You're 100% right. They go Atlanta, Foxborough, Denver, Salt
1: Lake. Yeah. And does it was say there... anything about it being in East West?
0: Oh, I don't know. I didn't click on it, but it, you're right. probably right. It could it right. definitely could be. Well, so...
1: in, in our in our fantasy in Pulp, mm-hmm. uh, Rotten is leading over Buck Racing. Azra Buell, Uncle Skip is tied for third. Oh, boy. We're going to be taking crap for that. I hate um, to say
0: rotten or hucklebuck racing, but I'm going for Uncle Skip because Uncle Skip is one of the first Arai-sponsored racers in the United States ever, if not the first. So underrated. And if he wins this helmet, it is going to be comical because I think Arai might do something special like have it painted in his original colors or something. I don't Would know. Would
1: that be the sickest thing ever? Yeah. So cool. He's such a great guy too. So. Mm-hmm. Not sure where you're at in this one. I'm 31st. Just kind of like Oh,
0: dude, I'm absolute junk. I mean, I don't even want to go to the second page and find out cuz I'm probably on the third by now. Yeah. But it is.
1: Yeah, I'm just looking. Are you really on the third page, Sheeta? So, I do. Mean, so, why do I'm... I stock at one and you stink at the other?
0: I had an okay week. Like I I had 230 something points, but it's a triple crown, so a lot of a lot of you know, I I I was above the average you know, for, for the round, but it's, there's no moves to be made because I mean, I'm looking through this. I mean, there, there is a, uh, Jackie one, two, three and 143rd ended up like with 240 points this week, you know? Yeah. So if, if you were my poor, poor Chuck Axel, I mean, he forgot it was triple crown. Like
1: I did. And you're 70, you're 76th. Yeah. It's pretty sad. It's pretty good for you.
0: All right, so look, next week, folks, we're going to be talking Supercross again, but we're going to do a deep dive with Steve English into World Superbike because if you missed it, you missed some killer racing. I don't blame you. With with Austin being in the United States and MotoGP or Moto America going on as well, uh, it would be easy to overlook World Superbike. Jason and I did not. I got some yourself-
1: big. Qu- I got some big questions for Johnny. Uh, Johnny Ray. Oh,
0: God! I wonder if we could get him on at the same time but well,
1: well we'll we'll talk to we'll we'll
0: see yeah. what we can do about him maybe we'll get him on in the next week but because he's an absolute beast do yourself a favor okay go to world worldsbk.com there's a free video of the last lap really last sector of race 1 of world supersport okay <laughs> just do that and make some comments on our posts about what you thought about
1: that it's stuff ridiculous absolutely so greg and i greg and i actually shared a room in texas and and i you know he knows how i am about i don't want to know results so i just put my headphones on i'm in my bed i'm starting to watch and i see greg over in his bed flipping out and he wants to tell me so bad what he just watched and i'm like all right i'll get to it i'll get to it and he's flip he's and he's you were beside yourself And then once i saw it i'm like okay i see why now oh my so God. yeah you gotta watch that hey what greg said you gotta watch it so
0: all right so you're so you're at chuck wallet to win jay
1: uh, let's see here I'm at Chuckwalla. I'm here now until Sunday
0: alright good so you're back next. I go week home tomorrow.
1: fly Thursday to uh, Atlanta hang out with yep. you down there sweet and then go from there
0: we might be putting together something special for you guys the rest of the season during Moto America race weekends we'll let you know about that as well especially if you're a Patreon supporter which you can go to Patreon there's a link in this description if you want to support the channel and um, that'll pretty much be it for this one I know I have to get to a doctor's appointment. So next week I'm looking forward to talking to Steve English about what happened in world super sport because our world super bike, world super sport and world super sport 300. Are you going to, to be the, a good time.
1: Are you going to the free clinic again? Has it come back?
0: <laughs> hmm? I'm not even talking to you. You're an idiot. <laughs> Say goodbye, Jason.
1: All right, everybody have a great week. There's no racing. I don't think this weekend, GW. I don't think there's anything, no racing this week. So enjoy your time at home with your family, do whatever. We're going to be on the on the case again next week. Hopefully have some good guests. Talk to you soon. See ya.